Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. Hey, this is Big Chief and you're listening to the Bourbon Road. You know what I love to pour in my old fashions is a little maple syrup can't be just any maple syrup it has to be from seldom seen farms up in ohio he takes bourbon barrels pours his syrup in there and ages it for six to nine months making for some delicious just some delicious syrup that you could pour on pancakes you could pour it on waffles chicken and waffles like this fat guy likes but seriously you want to make a delicious cocktail with some maple syrup and not that old simple syrup Check out SeldomSeenMaple.com. Pick up some stuff from there today. We'd appreciate it. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, it's a wonderful day in the whiskey world because it we is. have our first Australian whiskey in the house. Well, not our first Australian whiskey, is it? Our had first some. Australian whiskey guest. <laughs> That's right. Our first Australian whiskey guest. Yeah. And who do we have with us? Jim, we got Dave Vitelli from Starward Whiskey. He's the owner, the founder of this beautiful whiskey out of Melbourne, Australia. Dave, welcome to the Bourbon Road. Thank you so much. It's uh, kind of a, a privilege to kind of be on a show that has bourbon in the title, you know, Um I'm a huge fan of whiskey spelled both ways around the world. And I have to say, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bourbon inspiration in Starwood, you know, kind of shamelessly stolen from around the world to make this great Aussie whiskey. Well, we certainly like to take a, a sort of a side road every now and then on the bourbon road. We're not absolutely tied to bourbon. It, it, it is sort of the namesake of the show, but Mike and I will take many little side roads during the year. We'll, we'll venture into Irish whiskey, scotch, certainly now, we'd love to have a little bit of Australian whiskey. Uh, we, we certainly welcome you to the show. We welcome your whiskey to a show. We've got a new friend now. we got to sit down and drink a little bit of your whiskey. We're pretty excited. Sounds great. Dave, i got to tell you, we have a listener down in Australia, and he is a super fan of, of yours. Uh, his name's James Ewan, and he's the one that pointed us in your direction. He's been trying to get you guys on our show forever. Uh, so hats off to James uh, there in Australia. Uh, James, we know you're one of our uh, most loyal listeners, um, and that's pretty exciting to have a listener down in Australia um, cared this much about an Australian whiskey and to get him on a bourbon podcast. That is awesome. I'll have to um, look him up when I'm next in next in Australia and, and um, yeah, shout him a drink. So what's the first whiskey we got in our uh, glass, Dave? Yeah, the first whiskey is called Twofold. It's a weeded whiskey. Um, it's really, you know, and we know what wheat does to great bourbons and it's the same sort of inspiration for, for me. It's a, a mixture of wheat and single malt whiskey married together. Um, all of Starwood's whiskies are aged in red wine barrels. So all of them are kind of full, full maturation in big Aussie red wine barrels like, um, Shiraz, Cabernet and Pinot. And so, you know, I love twofold. It's kind of my, um, it's my, it's, you know, it's my breakfast whiskey. Um, because I just feel like it's one of those ones that's easy, round. 
it's quite exciting to kind of have something that um, sits at this price point in the United States that, you know, um, really moves the dial when it comes to flavor, but doing it in a really accessible way. Now, you mentioned breakfast whiskey there. That's kind of a new term for me. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously, we're all familiar with the after-dinner whiskey, the whiskey by the campfire, the whiskey with food, which certainly Starwood does really well. But, you know, one of the things that, like, I um, get excited with twofold about is this idea that, you know, it's really approachable and easy to drink and, you know, if you were that way inclined, not that we're kind of we're always promoting responsible service of alcohol, but if you're that way inclined, this would be the perfect match for some oatmeal. So if you're going to grab a bottle early in the morning with your bowl of oatmeal, this is the one to grab, right? This is the one. This is the one. It's got a bit of fruit in it from the wine characters, you know. Um, it's got that wheat cereal character coming through that, you know, um, really is a lovely kind of complement to those fruity, fruity characteristics. And then... You know, because we're using both wheat and single malt whiskey together, the single malt kind of gives it a real roundness and lusciousness in the mouth and, and you know, the length to it as well. So to me, it's kind of, it does it does all of those things really well as a sipping whiskey, obviously, but then, you know, if you wanted to mix it, if you wanted to kind of uh, stir it down in, in, a, in a classic cocktail or take it for a walk, say in a highball or... or um, you know, something a bit more refreshing, that then it's going to stack up to that because of the aging process that we use. I got to say, quite beautiful expression. Uh, Dave, I am the hugest fan of anything with weed in it. Uh, I get the the breakfast notes in this. Um, I could definitely knock the dust off my palate first thing in the morning. Uh, with this, if I was trekking across uh, Australia, like our good friend James over there just did, um, I could see the dust rolling up, and you're like, "Man, I got I need a little sip this morning, get a little pep in my step." And this would have it right here. Yeah, and look, you know, um, eighty proof. So we're not trying to kind of poke you in the eyes and say, "Hi, I'm an Australian whiskey." You know, like it is supposed to be something that's sessionable. You know, um, I think great whiskeys from around the world. Um, talk to the place they're made, right? Like the ingredients are such a big part of that. And, you know, certainly with Starwood, that wheat and malted barley, you know, they grow within a day's drive of the distillery, as do these amazing wine barrels that we're able to source to age the whiskey. And so, you know, to me, if we want to be in the sharing cabinet at home, in everyone's home, then it's got to be approachable and something that is going to be inviting to people to give a go and not just say, oh, okay, well, I gave that, you know, this is not like a 120-proof, you know, single-barrel rye, you know, that's going to be big and intense and very distinctive. And don't get me wrong, I love those sorts of barrels, but this is not that occasion. This is, hey, you know what, if you like like a weeded whiskey, you should try this. If you like a bourbon you should give this a go. If you like um, some Irish whiskey, I think you're going to find this enjoyable. It's not trying to, it's not trying to alienate people. It's actually trying to bring people into whiskey that might not even know they like it yet. No, that's kind of the that's the dream, obviously. But certainly amongst whiskey lovers, you know, we want this on their shelf as something that they can point to and say, "You got to give this a go." Yeah, I you know, as I sip on this, uh, a couple of notes. Uh, for me, up front, very soft, very sweet. Well, not very sweet. Nice and sweet, I think, is a better 
word for it, uh, but definitely soft. Uh, it kind of sneaks across your palate and doesn't really interrupt the enjoyment of the whiskey. It's kind of light. It dances across and doesn't leave a big bunch of footprints across your tongue. It's uh, it's definitely sessionable and uh, very. I think this is an all season whiskey. You could definitely enjoy this in hotter weather and be fine with it. Yeah, and that's something that you know. I think that for you know, sessionable is the the perfect word. That Jim, you know, one I've got a bit of a my the origins of Starwood actually were you. Know, this is supposed to be a microbrewery. You know, um, it's kind of a, a whole heap bigger than that now. But you know, I was a frustrated home brewer, and you know, was in tech beforehand and sold that business, and then decided to look at whiskey and. Um, well, actually, beer was first, and it was like this. You know, I wanted to become a uh, an organic microbrewery from Australia, and the challenge with beer is obviously good beer doesn't travel well. You know, um, particularly if you're not going to pasteurize it or process it or add preservatives. So we wouldn't be talking now, and we certainly wouldn't be sharing that whiskey. Um, you know, 15 years ago, the idea of cold refrigeration with beer is just not a thing, right? So. You know, I um, I took that beer mindset, though, into whiskey making and sort of thought about sessionability, you know, and the idea that, do you know what, um, 10 years ago, this is back in 2002, certainly in Australia, in the mid-90s, thinking about the cornucopia of micro-brewed beers was very different to what we see today. There's so much more available. And I thought, well, if a craft beer drinker can kind of get, you know, if a beer drinker can get a, their head around craft beer, then, then they're one step away from understanding all the things that make, like, great whiskeys um, so interesting. You know, um, and from a bourbon point of view, early 2000s, it was really Jim and Jack, you know, that dominated. Um, and then slowly we started to see things like Woodford Reserve turn up. Slowly we saw um, Buffalo Trace turn up. Slowly we kind of saw, you know, that next wave of trade-up bourbons that have existed. And people kind of, you know, gravitated to them really quickly. So that gave me confidence to say, well, if we can kind of trade up into the you know, more interesting bourbons. And by no means are they luxury or, you know, premium bourbons. They're just well-crafted whiskeys, right? And so to me it was like if people can kind of get their head around well-crafted American whiskeys, there's no reason why they can't get their head around well-crafted Australian whiskeys too. Mike, what do you think about this whiskey in the hands of a, of a true whiskey novice, somebody who hasn't hasn't really had a chance to taste whiskey before? This is their first glass what do you think about that? I think it's a great gateway whiskey. Uh, we've talked about that before, having a gateway whiskey. Um, the price point here in America is just amazing. Uh, $27, I think you can get it for at Total Wine. Um, so there's that first piece right there. Is it affordable for your blue-collar guy, blue-collar woman? Um, is it at the right proof? I think 80 proof is that entry point for most people when they're first starting to drink whiskey you don't want to blow their palate away with like you said dave 120 something proof um and then does it have those wine notes to it that soft palate it has on it um you need all that to open somebody's mind up and be able to explain to them and i think that has all this with it just a tingle of spice to let you know hey i'm a whiskey um, I like that. It's kind of dancing on my tongue, just like a um, maybe a little bit of a jalapeno zest to it to me. 
but yeah, the, just a beautiful gateway whiskey, Jim. Yeah, I tend to agree, Mike. I tend to agree completely. Now, you mind if we dive a little bit into the science here, Dave? Sure. I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about sort of the Australian whiskey category. You're smack dab in the middle of it. You know, what makes what makes an Australian whiskey? We have, I think, the broadest whiskey regulations in the world. I mean, they're so broad you could shoot a cannon through them and still not hit the sides. Like, it's just basically very straightforward definition of whiskey. It's a fermented grain mash that's distilled and aged in wood for a minimum of two years. That's the def. Oh no, and has all the characteristics of whiskey. So it's a self-referent. This is legal. <laughs> um, and you know, to me, that's the ultimate pub test, right? It's like you know what? If you can kind of cover off on those key things, and the the guys and girls down at the pub have a glass of your whiskey and they call it a whiskey, then it's a whiskey. You know, you would kept it really broad. And and the benefit of that obviously is innovation. So we can use these wine barrels in a way that, you know, bourbon's got to be aged in brand new American oak. It might be finished in something, you know, and those, you know, I think Angel's Emmy's done a great job of kind of bringing people's attention to finishes, right? Um, and that's that's amazing. But the full aging in red wine barrels is a big innovation for Starwood, and it's something that, like, I think may, means that this is a whiskey that can only be made in Australia, and, and that's an exciting thing, you know, because all of a sudden we've got, you know, as um, Mike was saying, this really good, amazing gateway whiskey that is sessionable, that's really approachable, but distinctive as well. Like it's not trying to do it what bourbon does. It's not trying to do what Irish does. It's not trying to do what Scotch does. But in their own ways, they're really distinctive whiskies, and so is this because of those wine barrels. Um, and you know, so so when we talk about the Australian category, you know, there are I would take the keys to pretty much every whiskey distillery in Australia, such as the quality coming out of Australia from from a whiskey standpoint. You know, um, we lead the charge only because we're we're crazy to kind of come over to the United States, number one. And secondly, um, uh, we've got a lot of inventory. You know, from when I started back in 2007, my ambition was to kind of create something that could be in on everybody's back bar uh, at home and, and 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 in bars and restaurants around the world and so we've laid away substantially more whiskey that means that we're available in more countries around the world and more states in the united states than other australian distilleries but you know that's not for any other reason but um you know that they're, they're, they're still you know plotting away laying away whiskey and i think the fact that we've had such a great um, amount of interest in the United States means that you're going to be seeing way more of Australian whiskey in the United States um, over time, which is exciting. Dave, what's the what's the breakdown on a mash bill on this? Can you tell us that? Yeah, so it's 60% wheat, um, which is separately distilled. So it's 100% wheat spirit distilled and aged in red wine barrels, and then 100% barley, single malt, that's separately distilled, aged in red wine barrels. And then at the end, we marry them 60-40, 60% wheat, 40% malted barley. And, you know, the idea behind that is exactly the, that um, approachable, easy, you know, anytime, any place whiskey. 
that that's something unique i haven't i don't think i've experienced before is something that's uh 100 100 and you you blend them like that uh, i probably have but um very unique process what do you think jim yeah i think so so is this is an australian whiskey considered straight at two years um, it, no, it's a considered whiskey. Like you can't call it whiskey until it's a minimum of two years of age. Okay. So in the U S we call it straight at two years. Yeah. But in Australia, it's whiskey at two years. Yeah. It's whiskey at two years. So anything younger than that is like white dog, you know, it's just not considered whiskey. Sure. And then from two years onwards, it's just whiskey. And then you can choose to put an age statement on it or not. And it's kind of Interesting. One of the things that I found fascinating coming to the States was that, like, you know, age really wasn't a big deal for a very long time, right? Like, as long as people got to four years and a day, they didn't necessarily have to put the age on the label, right? And that was something that, to me, sort of I got excited about because aging whiskey in Melbourne, you know, what we're drinking now is three to four Melbourne years old. And we'll talk about what, what a Melbourne year is in a sec. Um, but, you know, it's three to four years of age. And, you know, in 2007, launching a brand, a craft whiskey with a young age statement is a high stakes game. You know, I think we've all experienced the fast and furious whiskeys. It sort of like people were really keen to get whiskey out into people's uh, palates and and then were, you know, I think over time learned that it needed more time to kind of get to a point of which it was ba- in balance, you know, and the spirit and the oak and if there was a, a finish, the previous use were in balance. Um, and in Melbourne, you know, three to four Melbourne years is, is just the just right amount of time for us. You know, we've got the outback, as Mike mentioned before, right, we've got this hot blazing winds that come in from the north into Melbourne. Um, and it can be in Fahrenheit, 95, 105 degrees dry, really hot, dry weather, think Texas, right? Um, uh, and then within an hour, the wind can kind of shift to the south and there's the other desert down below us called Antarctica. And so if the wind's coming in from, from the south or across the southern ocean, it can go from, you know, 95 to 45 within an hour easily, within 20 minutes sometimes. And that temperature, that diurnal range that we have in Melbourne means that these barrels are working really hard. They're working really hard. And the the magic for us is that, you know, because we're using wine barrels, these haven't been charred, by the way, right? It's wine out, whiskey in. Some of them charred, but the majority of them are, are, are wet-filled barrels. And so it's a relatively soft whiskey on the oak side of things, if you think about that, um, because we haven't charred them. But all of that, all of that, what we would normally call extractive wood components is in the wine, right? That's why we that's why winemakers are using the barrels, right? It's to give the wine structure so it can sell for years and years and years. And so having access to those wine barrels that are both French oak and American oak, 100 litres in size, 200 litres in size, which is typically a standard American barrel, um, and sometimes 300 litres in size means that we've got this huge array of diversity in the bond store. And then we age our whiskey, you know, the wheat spirit in that and the and the, and the the single malt spirit in that and then blend them together at the end. So it's blending is a big part of the Starwood story. You know, the wood policy obviously is a big part of it, but blending for consistency and um, is a big part of it as well. 
So you've been you've been putting up barrels since 2007. We're in 2022. Do some quick math here. It's 15 years. And uh, during that period of time, you've been able to stock away some some inventory. But have you been able to stock away a little bit of aging inventory, things that are extra aged yeah. or well aged? And, so, and what does that what does that mean in Australia? Does it mean like it gets overly oaked or it gets too much or? It's a good question, Jim. That that's the short answer is yes. You know, you know, I'll never forget filling barrel one. You know, the first ever barrel we filled at the distillery. And it was like, okay, let's be thoughtful about this. We're going to go larger format, less extractive wood, because it's probably something that we will, you know, tap in 20, 30, 40, 50 years time, you know, to celebrate some milestone. Um, by year six, it was cooked. You know what I mean? Like any longer. And it just would have turned what was something really sentimentally very special to me into something that would have tasted, always tasted great because, you know, like your kids, you always find the, the you know, the, why they're special, but objectively just would have been overdone on the oak side of things. And so even barrel one we've disgorged and put into glass, we're still, fine. We're still waiting for that momentous occasion to, to share it with people, but um, there's no such thing as an old Starwood barrel. You know, like seven years is probably the oldest we've launched. Um, partly early on because we, we just couldn't keep up with demand, but even now, just from, from a thoughtful point of view, there's no good reason to do it. There's no good yeah. reason to do it because we can pull so many other levers to kind of get that intensity of oak if we really want it in there or to... Uh, mellow the whiskey out the time for us is a relative thing it's not necessarily the same as you would expect in a you know certainly in a scotch whiskey distillery where it's just cold and damp you know the old sayings there's two seasons in in scotland june and winter right and so you know i think you know <laughs> kentucky's kind of we i'm talking to you guys you know better than anyone you've got four distinct seasons right it can get below freezing quite easily and snow but you'll be sweating bullets next week in the heart of uh, August, right? So it's very different for us. We we don't get the extremes you get in Kentucky in terms of snowing. It doesn't get that cold. It certainly gets up into the hundreds, and um, we've got equal parts humidity and um, dryness. That means it's a really balanced sort of aging environment. The more I look at this whiskey and the more I taste it and stuff, uh, I was thinking tropical fruits, uh and that tingly, I get on my tongue a little bit, uh, a little bit of kiwi in there. I know that's since a kiwi Australian, but uh, kiwi fruit uh, to me has that tingly like needles on your tongue a little bit. Does that make sense? Totally does. There's a lot of um, mid palate texture to Starwood that comes from the barrels. And actually... As we we're just saying, all of the wood's been extracted out. I mean, it's still lots of color in the whiskey, right? Like it's not like oh, you can't see my whiskey. But there's plenty of color there, but it's not. It's not really the the um, the extractive wood that's kind of giving that mid palate texture. It's actually the grape. It's it's grape tannin. You know, it's red yeah. wine texture yeah. in the middle. You don't have to love wine to love Starwood, by the way. You know, like it's just kind of a you know good little cues to kind of help you pick out some of the flavors yeah. but tropical fruits absolutely that's coming from fermentation with our single malt um which we'll talk about later i'll explain in more detail there lots of tropical fruit in in um in starwood sort of in our dna 
Um, I get a little bit of um, uh, rock melon um, kind of character coming through as well. So, Dave, what's a what's a rock melon? It's cantaloupe. Oh, so it's is in Australia. You guys call it something totally different. Exactly. So I couldn't go down there and say, "Let me get me some of that cantaloupe," and they'd be like, "Well, it's we only have rock melon." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's pretty diverse down in in, in Melbourne now, particularly like um, we've got all walks of life down there, so they'll pick that up. I could get a little bit of cantaloupe in this, Jim, or rock melon. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of melon note to it, no doubt about melon. it. So, mm-hmm. so all the headache left with the wine and it just left a little bit of its goodness behind to help with the whiskey. So that's good thing. You know, I, sometimes when I drink red wine and lots of it, and it happens from time to time, Mike, you know, Melody's a big wine drinker and I think Viv is too, right? Yep. Yep. Drink a little bit of that red wine. You start to get that headache. But in this case, I think all the headache went out with the red wine and these barrels just introduced that goodness into the whiskey. I'm not, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that gets a headache with, uh, red wine i could just drink bottle by bottle and just be fine with it so i don't know these headaches these guys are talking about they're getting they're just complaining just just drink more and it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) keep going going. yeah um you know and i think the other point you mentioned there was like just that yes there's lots of fruit characters right and uh, oak texture coming through from the wine barrels um it's it's one of those whiskies all of them in fact kind of reward loyalty you know they are whiskies where you can you know pour three fingers set up something on netflix and episode one of what you're drinking is going to be really different to episode six not just because you've kind of plowed through it but because there's the more time you spend with the whiskies the more those layers of complexity between the wine barrels the wheat the malt really kind of reveal themselves. And that's where I think the approachability really, like the lower proof really helps. You know, I, I, I this is probably going to get me kicked off the podcast, but like, you know, quite often if I've got like an amazing single barrel and I'm tasting it, not drinking it, there's two different things here, right? If I'm tasting, if I'm doing a bit of a sensory analysis on a single cask, I'll cut it right back. I'll go 50-50. So I actually know what booze tastes like. I know that, you know, like I kind of have, particularly if it's from a distillery that I'm familiar with, like the house spirits more than likely going to be the same that's been filled into the barrel. I want to know what else is going on. And so water is a great magnifier of flavor. Um, and it's fascinating to do that. Um, I'm still on, right? You haven't kicked me off. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. But, 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 you know, like just kind of magnifying all of the characters and flavors in the whiskey by adding water really kind of gives you a sense of what's going on and what that relationship is between the spirit and the oak and, in our instance, that previous use um, in a way that when you're kind of drinking, you know, 120, 100, even 115, right, like that's there's a lot of booze there that's kind of masking some of that deliciousness. And so we've done a bit of the work for you by by proofing it down and then, you know, you can sit with this whiskey longer before your palate gets blown up and all those layers of flavor kind of get revealed. It's interesting that I, I heard you use the, the term booze a couple of times there, and, and it's kind of a an international term that relates to whiskey, but it also has an interesting origin that, that deals with uh, – inebriation or 
I guess, uh, drinking a little too much, right? Right. So it's kind of an interesting thing. You don't hear it that often anymore, but I think it used to be more prominent 10, 15, 20 years ago, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Some people say it's a derogatory sometimes. Like when you say booze or uh, a boozer, you know, the guy's going out boozing all the time. Um, I, I guess that's why I hear it a lot. I don't hear, hey, I need to grab some booze. And maybe that is something like rock melon uh in different countries you just don't hear it that much anymore yeah and we're all of the above too you know i mean you know you're totally right mike it can be kind of perceived as derogatory i guess my point is i don't want to i don't like to take our whiskeys too seriously you know we're not saving the planet you know making whiskey almost literally we're not saving the planet but like you know the 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 point is that you know i don't like to take the you know the product too seriously and just turn up on you know on people you know i wanted to turn up in people's houses on their terms as opposed to some sort of you know mandated way of drinking it or 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 uh you know trying to give it too much reverence even though you know all of these are double gold medal winning whiskeys from, you know, both in London and San Francisco and New York and all the places. It's That's great. But, you know, for me, you know, what gives gets me up in the morning is people like James, you know, badgering you guys to get us on the podcast. That's that's the real reward, right? You can't buy that. You can't buy that and, you, you, you know, um, that's worth way more than any any kind of accolade that we get, which we've got plenty of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, he to me that is the kind of accolade you want right there from a, a pure whiskey drinker, a guy that we respect because he he shows love for whiskey um, throughout the entire world. He's drinking all kinds of different whiskey, um, but yeah, that kind of accolade, like you said, you can't buy it. Um, that's pure right there. You know, it's not bought. It's a guy that just enjoys whiskey, and he said, "Hey, uh, Jim and Mike." I'd really love for you to guys to to get Star Wars whiskey on the show, uh, and I'll hook you up with them, and we'll figure this out. So, yeah, from almost two worlds away, really, because it is two worlds away. Um, this whiskey shows up at our door, and we get to drink it. And uh, you were talking before about making cocktails out of this, and I noticed you you guys sent us a tasting card, and you have two cocktails on that tasting card for this uh, twofold. One is a twofold and tonic pretty easy to make star word twofold a uh, one ounce of that 3.4 ounces that's pretty accurate <laughs> of tonic water and one grapefruit wedge uh that's a that sounds like perfect for the summertime right jim it does it absolutely does it and that is pretty uh accurate measurement there getting into the point four. yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> it's 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 i think what's happened is we've converted it from australian mills right yeah, uh, and so that's kind of just like the straight conversion. And, and um, you probably asked the given, yeah, probably asked the mixologist. She said, "Hey, like, can't we just round that up to something American?" He's like, "No, no, you can't." <laughs> right? If you're going to do anything, you probably round it down to three. Right? So it's three to one is the standard sort of like mixer to whiskey ratio. Anyway, um, uh, in the Vitali household, it's probably more like two to one. You know, like we kind of like <laughs> kind of like a little more um you know whiskey forward but the great thing about twofold and tonic is that it shouldn't work right whiskey and tonic's not really something that's kind of we've known um as part of the 
sort of evolution of whiskey. Certainly highballs have been a big part of like this growth more recently. You know, we, we've been making whiskey in Australia since colonial times, little known fact. And um, there was a point in time where, you know, our gold rushes, the one in on the West Coast in, in California and, and in Melbourne, my hometown, were kind of happening at the same time in the late 19th century. And people were carting ice from Massachusetts to Melbourne, right? Such was the opulence and, and richness of the city. They'd be carting ice from Massachusetts the long way around. No, there's no canal, you know, Panama Canal or anything like that. Massachusetts to, to Melbourne, ice, and then using bubbles because that was the sign of prestige, right? Carbonated water was a, a fancy thing back in the day. And um, so they were making highballs back then, right? But tonic works because of the wine barrels. They're just kind of a lovely complement to it. Well, well, the second one you have on here is, and this is something that me and Jim just did a show on, uh, is twofold in ginger. Uh, that's something we really love anyways, but one ounce of this Star Wars twofold, 3.4 ounces of uh, ginger ale, and then an orange for garnish. Uh, Jim, that we should have had that on our episode. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that sounds pretty amazing. That does. I mean, I love a great cocktail, and I'm always looking for that new formulation that new recipe that's just gonna knock my socks off and uh i tell you what i think whiskey companies in general are at the forefront of innovation when it comes to cocktails i i love bartenders i think they're great i think they're wonderful but i think a lot of the great cocktails are coming out of whiskey companies now yeah i look i mean i'm always kind of blown away by what barcat bartender where bartenders take the whiskey you know to me it's like Yes, it's a finished product that we can drink neat like this. And we've done all of the work to kind of express it this way. But then it's kind of like, well, you know what? You're now the director. Here's the actor. Put them to work and create some, you know, create some theater, right? And that's a lot of fun too, you know, that sort of uh, mixology world. But coming back to what I said earlier, it's like, look, I just want easy to make cocktails. It makes great classic cocktails too. Um, but, But to me, I want twofold to be people's gateway whiskey. They might not even like whiskey, but if they come at it as a as a highball or with ginger or with tonic, they might go, well, you know what? Like, I don't like whiskey, but I love this twofold stuff. It's delicious. Off we go, right? And yeah. we've got it. And then they can kind of start with twofold. And before you know it, they're trying some Maker's Mark. And then from Maker's Mark, they might go, who knows what? You know what I mean? And and, and they kind of expand it, their, their repertoire and world of whiskey, which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, Dave, we're kind of up against a break here, so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to visit your Starward Nova expression and uh, talk about it a little bit. Man, Jim, you know what I've really been enjoying lately? Oh, you're going to tell me. Some of that seldom seen farms maple syrup that's been aged in bourbon barrels. It is absolutely delicious, not only in a cocktail, but you can cook with it, right? You can. You absolutely can. Now, Mike, Kevin just sent me a new shipment, so I got a little bit more. And I've been making some beef jerky lately. Really? Yeah. Now, I know you're the meat master, (laughs) (laughs) but but I I tried my hand at it. I said, you know, I want to make some beef jerky, and I've got a pretty decent beef jerky recipe, 
and it's got a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, those kind of things. But I always put brown sugar in it. Well, this time Kevin sent me a bottle of his granulated maple sugar. Wow. And I decided that I was going to substitute the maple sugar for the brown sugar. Oh, game changer. Let me tell you. Total game changer. Total game changer. Some of the best beef jerky you've ever had. So I'm going to make another batch here in in about a week, and I'll be sure to get you some. Man, that that sounds delicious. Vivian took, and we just got an air fryer like most people got these days, right? And uh, she took and soaked fresh pineapple in that maple syrup and then put it in the air fryer and it kind of crisped up a little bit. Oh, sounds uh, good. It was just magically delicious. Um, and people probably wonder why we love it so much. Kevin competed in the maple festival uh, last year, 2021, and he was named grand champion. Um, that's saying something. So seldom seen farms grand champion. Of the 2021 Maple Syrup Festival. Yeah. Wow. That's that's saying something. Yeah. You're going up against some heavy hitters in maple syrup. And I know we're we're talking about just the syrup, but, um, you know, that's something to be proud of. Uh, Hats off to you, Kevin, for winning that. Kevin's also uh, competing in a couple other competitions. Make sure you check out his website. Check out his social media on Instagram and Facebook. You won't be uh, disappointed. If you want to buy something, from him where can they go jim you can go to seldomseenmaple.com and kevin and his crew they've got a great website very easy to navigate they've got all their products on there you can buy their maple syrup by the bottle you can buy it by the case uh you can buy that sugar oh my goodness mike that stuff is so good uh, and they've got some other gift sets there too so you definitely want to check it out well he's also going to be in some distilleries pretty shortly here um, some distilleries from that I love and I know you love. He's going to be down Leaper's Fork. Um, you can find a syrup down there, aged in their barrels. Treaty Oak down in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, I was just out there. His syrup's going to be there. Awesome. Um, and in Garrison Brothers in Texas, if you think uh, you love some maple syrup, make sure you go into Garrison Brothers and pick up a bottle from them. Also, uh, Kevin appreciated. Uh, I know he he loves people. You're supporting a local farmer, a local product, a small family. This is no factory place that's putting out maple syrup, right, Jim? This is a good man doing good work. Yeah, got to love it. Well, make sure you check out his site. Like Jim said, seldomseenmaple.com. Pick up a bottle today. All right, listeners, so we are back. It's the second half. We've uh, we've still got Dave on the show from Starward Whiskey. In the first half, we had their Starward two-fold combination of uh, uh, malt whiskey and a little bit of wheat whiskey. Mike got really tickled when he heard there was going to be some wheat whiskey on the show. Yes, <laughs> <Definitely>. sir. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was tough not to pour another. Well, actually, I did pour another little pour in the half, so... Uh, I just wanted to have just a little bit more. Mike, you didn't have any left in your bottle, so you weren't able to pour anymore. Yeah, I drank it every drop of that of that wheat and barley together. Um, my lord, um, I simply just loved it, Dave. Um, I'm the biggest fan now. I'm going to be searching for a bottle. I'm probably going to be searching for a bottle of something that's cast strength in that. But what we got in our glass right now, uh, the Star Wars Nova, the nose on this. 
is just just out of this world. Is that why you called it Nova? Nova, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's interesting, right? Like whiskeys are typically people, places, or animals, you know. And so when we started Starwood, I was like, okay, if we're going to be a modern distillery. I can't go digging up some old distiller's bone and calling it my own and saying, you know, we're just the modern version of the, you know, like a reincarnation of the distiller is like, I want to talk about whiskey today and whiskey for the future, you know, like that, that we can get really excited by. Um, and in part because I'm so in love with the category of Scotch, bourbon, Irish, rye, as are many Australians. And so, Nova, you know, Starwood and Nova were kind of ways that we could obviously talk about our ambition to, you know, reach for the stars. But then also Nova is new, you know, in, 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 in Latin, but it also has a lovely kind of tie into that sort of celestial world as well. Um, and look, you know, it's really funny. These are both my kids. I love them equally, but I give you the tip, like after a long day sort of, uh, at the desk or at the distillery, there's nothing better than sort of like finishing it with um, a glass of Nova. It's just such a really rewarding whiskey, you know, just in terms of all the things that we stand for as a as a distillery. Um, it's the single malt, so this is um, 100% malted barley. Um, we're not Robinson Crusoe with this. Obviously, there's a brand new category that's been launched in the United States with the TTB of like American single malt and you know, these guys are kindred spirits of Starwood. You know, um, a lot of them started around about the same time. We might be a bit older than some of them. But, you know, we really approached whiskey making with a brewing mindset. And so that means higher grades of malted barley, not brewing barley, uh, not distilling barley that's just kind of there to convert um, uh, sugar into, st- sorry, starch into sugar, but, um, brewing barley is there for flavor. You know, there's a big difference between a, a pale ale and a porter, and that's basically they're both, bo- bo- you know, made from barley, but one's roasted a lot longer to kind of give it more flavor. And so the barley that we have at Starwood is just a bit darker than a pale malt. It gives it luscious mouthfeel and texture, a bit more of that cereal character that we were talking about in twofold kind of becomes a bit more prominent. Uh, but the fermentations where where this really shines, and we t- talked about tropical fruits in in uh, twofold. Those tropical fruits come from fermentation in the single malt. Interestingly, so um, we use an ale yeast to ferment that malted barley. So we're brewing like a beer and then distilling it like a single malt whiskey, like a Scotch whiskey, double pot distillations. And um, in fact, just above my shoulder, there's the stills there you can kind of see them in the background of the of this shot here there's one one neck there and another one there um and so um double pot distillation with the single malt retaining all that lovely flavor and character um and you know in this modern era of whiskey making you know the philosophy is craft a spirit that is layered with flavor already such that aging the whiskey is going to be laddering up more flavor as opposed to settling the spirit down or transforming the spirit into something else, which traditionally in Scotch whiskey, particularly with single malts, was the way it worked. These spirits off the still weren't necessarily, um, you know, let's just say that they're an acquired taste, you know. 
the modern era of whiskies that sort of think from a brewing mindset, they're like barley schnapps. You know, they're, they're just very drinkable spirits off the still. You know, it's still at 71 or what's that, 142. But if you proof them down, they're bloody delicious. Like you can just drink them um, uh, at that proof down level without any aging. And so when you then ladder up all of those amazing wine characteristics that we talked about beforehand, French oak, American oak, wet filled, or, you know, sometimes we'll have them shaved, toasted and recharred, 100 litre, 200 litre, 300 litre barrels. Some wineries use their barrels for one vintage, which means that they're really generous on the oak side, right, Um, when we get them at the distillery. Others have had them for four or five vintages. So a little bit more delicate and balanced from the oak perspective. You put all of this together and you've got like a family tree of barrels that um, gives us a huge amount of complexity and and uh, diversity in the bond store. And even with Nova, the art really is in the blending of that those different disparate barrels into one consistent release. Do you find it challenging uh, when you have such a variety of barrels coming in? that you're going to use to actually maintain a profile? Yeah, it's a good question. Look, you know, we're at a scale now that we've got depth of inventory. Early on, it was a challenge for sure because it's like, oh, boy, we really need some French oak in this to lighten up the spirit. But there's just none of it that's ready yet, you know, because we're sort of scaling up. We've got depth of inventory now that means that we can kind of tap into these little um um, types of barrels to to use them almost um, like a spice rack, you know, to, to get the flavour dialed in every okay. single time. So it's actually playing to our advantage. So in, in this whiskey, Mike, I'm, I'm getting uh, a nice kind of stone fruit note, a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a buttery mouthfeel, um, a little bit nicer uh, texture. Uh, no, I shouldn't say nicer. A little bit more evident texture than I got in the twofold. So uh, a little bit different. I feel like the there's something going on there with uh, minerals, like a little bit more minerality to it. But that's just my 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 personal take on it. I feel like there's a little bit of a mineral note here, and and I kind of I kind of like it. I I think you. Uh, y- you hit everything spot on there, Jim, with this. For me, anyways, that buttery note to it. I'm surprised at how viscous this is uh, for um, just 82 proof. Um, that super shocking to me. The sweetness of that barley coming through, really liked it. Um, not a whole lot of spice on this for me, um, but that's not a bad thing. Um, sometimes there can be too much spice. This right here is almost a dessert whiskey for me. Uh, I think that, that a uh, red wine is coming through nice and pleasant on this and giving her that buttery note that you're talking about, Jim. Yeah. So in, in the morning you're having a little bit of twofold and in the evening you're having a little bit of Nova. I think one is a little bit more up front in the palate. The other one's a little bit more in the back of the palate. And I think those that are in the back of the palate are a little bit more, appropriate for the evening hours just my guess my take on it uh it's a really good insight jim like um i find the same with our single malts they're sort of a bit more luscious you know and mouth coating and linger a bit longer um we actually 
it's it's interesting when we when we started the distillery, we started with single malts and then added twofold later on, and because that was always my ambition was to kind of have that approachable, accessible, very distinctive whiskey that you know price would not be a reason why people didn't buy it. You know what I mean? Like I just want to eliminate that and say, look, you know what? If it's not your cup of tea, that's fine. Um, in terms of flavor profile, but it wouldn't be because you couldn't afford it. Um, so that's twofold. Um, and I actually think that, and so so we've got a lot of rusted on Nova drinkers that just kind of can't get their head around twofold's purpose in the portfolio because they just see this is the perfect whiskey. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 no. For me, this is such a, you know, this is the whiskey that gets me really excited because actually it's a little more approachable. And that's what wheat does, right? It rounds it out and creates some more space for all of those flavor cues to come through in a way that with Nova, they're really dense. And so um, different occasion for sure and probably different drinker, truth be told, right? Like some people just like their whiskeys a little deeper and denser. And um, uh, I'm really lucky enough to be able to have both of them anytime I want. Well, it's nice to be able to cover that spectrum. And the question I would ask is, so you're enjoying Starward Nova uh, after work in the evening. You're sitting on the front porch. You're having a pour. Uh, you're sitting with your friends. You're enjoying the evening. That's great. But what are you drinking for breakfast? You know, <laughs> and that's the twofold for sure. It's like that all day long whiskey. You could have it on a uh, early on a Saturday. Mike and I enjoy actually bourbon mimosas sometimes. Mm, yeah. and, and and I'm thinking that twofold would make a fine bourbon mimosa on a Saturday morning. I think you're right. Well, I call it a bourbon mimosa, but it's not a bourbon, but still, you get the idea. The whiskey with a Y mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, I, I really like this uh, Nova f- for the facts like Jim was talking about, but even that price point on a, um, a whiskey that's been finished in a wine barrel, um, $50 at total wine. That is not still not breaking the bank, um, for uh, thinking outside the box too here, uh, for you whiskey drinkers that are listening and you want to try something totally different from around the world. I would push you towards the star word, uh, Nova and uh, grab a bottle. I think you might be shocked, uh, at how well it drinks, um, oily that viscous we're talking about just, just velvety on the tongue. Um, a couple of little chocolate notes in there, maybe from that red wine I'm getting, just super tasty. Now, Dave, um, we were talking about the whiskey community, and we got another guy here in Kentucky. His name's Tim Joyce, and he is a super fan also, and he has always been pushing towards, but he's into your um, single barrels. Tell us about your single barrel program. Yeah, so um, as we've been talking about, these wine barrels are a gift that keep on giving, right? Like they're so unique in the world of whiskey. We've got them on our doorstep. You know, you couldn't actually make a bourbon with wine barrels. Um, it could be finished in a wine barrel, but not aged in a wine barrel. And so for us, celebrating all of this provenance and flavor is so exciting, you know, and such is that diversity of the Bond store. You know, we could release a single barrel every week of the year in the United States for two years and still not come back to the first barrel that we kind of uh, tried in terms of 
from, you know, like in terms of specification, such as the depth. So it's pretty exciting to be able to share them. In and of themselves, they're great. Like they're just great sipping whiskey. They're great neat whiskeys to kind of celebrate this thing that we love, right? This, you know, this amber liquid that we love. Um, but f- from a Starwood point of view, you know, when you start to have three or four of these on a back bar at a bar or like if you've got them at home, you're really starting to deconstruct Starwood as a product. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is the fact that these are the component parts that make Twofold and Nova. These aren't the quirky barrels that didn't fit, right? They're actually the component parts that make Nova. And, you know, um, particularly the single grain ones, the wheat whiskies that are, you know, straight wheat. Oh my goodness. Like they're just so, uh, Moorish, you know, and at 110, 112 proof, which is barrel strength for us. And I'll talk about that in a sec. They're the twofold of the, of single grains. Do you know what I mean? Like they're really, if, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about people sort of like saying, Oh, I want to try single barrels, but the proof and the intensity of the flavor always gets me. It's like, well, you got to try it. You got to try a star with single barrel particularly if it's a wheat one because they're just so deliciously approachable. Um, a lot of people ask us why why are they so low relative to, say, bourbon bourbons, which can get up into the 70s, right, or high 130s at the very least, sometimes 140s. Um, we proof down our spirit, the immature spirit, that we age in wine barrels to 110 when we fill a barrel. And the reason for that is we just understand that our environment in Melbourne is so radically different to anywhere else in the world and quite um, reactive, you know, in terms of the environment, that we wanted the spirit to engage with the oak in a more gentler fashion than you would at, a, say, 135, which is typically the, the standard, right? So um, by doing... 132, 135 is the standard, even in, in Australia. We're using these wine barrels, so we proof down. It's way more expensive. You know, if you if you want to be kind of focused on cash flow and, you know, leveraging the most out of each barrel, then you'd kind of go into the right, you know, to the pocket of the highest amount of proof you can jam into that barrel um, and then proof it at the end, proof it down to the, level that you want at the end effectively we're aging water and that's part of the secret source to starwood is that a lot of the proofing happens before we age which means that when that comes out the whiskey is just way more integrated and that shines through in the single barrels as well because you know um they're already 110 you could proof it down to 80, no problems, and that's not going to turn into a flabby whiskey. You know, like you can get some flabby proof down single casks sometimes, I find. Um, we we just kind of it just stacks up because we're proofing the water at the beginning. Yeah, I think that, you know, th- that's kind of what happens when you put accountants in charge of distilling process, right? They're saying, hey, it's got to go in the barrel at 125 or XXX, whatever the number is. But when you let the the whiskey man make that decision, he's saying, no, you need to go in the barrel under 115, maybe 110, maybe 105, somewhere in that range, because water interacts with wood 
so much differently than alcohol does. Mm. And that's where the flavor comes from. And if you want to extract the most out of the barrel, it comes by introducing the water, which solubilizes the wood sugars. So I think you're spot on. And uh, I think customers appreciate that because you can taste it in the whiskey. You can. and But it's really interesting, Jim and Mike, I'm sure you've met these people, mostly guys, right, where it's like they, they're back in the day, you know, if they were rusted on tweed jacket wearing Scotsman, it would be like the higher the number in terms of age, the better the whiskey, right? And um, certainly in the single barrel worlds of bourbon, it's like, you know, I don't touch anything that's in a single barrel below 120 because it's just not single barrel then. It's like, okay, well, you know, what we found is that over time, I think it's like most things, it's sort of like IPAs. You know, back in the day I was a huge IPA drinker and now I'm just seeking a lager, like a well-crafted lager from a yeah. microbrewery. To me it's far more like well-crafted, like the artistry and mastery of making a wonderful lager compared to a hazy IPA like that's poking you in the eyes with hops. There's chalk and cheese there in terms of like um, intensity of flavor. Sure. But, sure. but in terms of craftsmanship, you, there's, they're both the same. You can't you can't argue with the, the craftsmanship. And so it's an interesting kind of journey that I think we all go along, which is like start with the approachable stuff, then go and explore the extremes of intensity and, and complexity, and then find your pocket which is somewhere in between usually. Yeah, I think my wife always asks me when we go to when we go to breweries, why are you always ordering the Hellas and the and the Kolsch and the you know and the yeah, the Pilsners? It's because I'm looking for that brewery that's really got their craft on, that really knows what they're doing. And it's easy to throw a bunch of hops at something, either dry hops or boiled in hops, and and get to a, a, a high hoppy content, a bitter or a very aromatic note. But it's another thing to really craft that lager or that Pilsner or that, uh, you know, that Hellas or Kolsch or whatever it might be. It's a lot more, it takes a lot more skill to do that. Yeah, Dave, I, I'm sitting here thinking about that craftsmanship i also noticed that your website that you guys have a peated uh whiskey which to me man that it's almost a little weird because i don't think pete whenever i think of australia yeah so and it's very weird for starwood as well in that for us you know sessionability approachability easy to drink bringing people into whiskey all those, all those words and the word Pete don't really go together, right? <laughs> In terms of like, and don't get me wrong, I love peated whiskeys. My middle daughter's name's Isla. It gives you an idea of how much whiskey we have here. I shipped over, oh, I'm going to say half a pallet of whiskey, and I reckon a layer of that pallet was Laphroaig. I mean, I love peated whiskeys, right? So, um but 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 that's just not part of who we are and our ethos. But what we wanted to take for a walk was what would be the Starwood version of a peated expression? And so it's a it's a finish, right? It's a finish in peated barrels from Isla, um, which is really delicate and soft. And so you get all those smoke characteristics coming through, but not with the intensity that we know and love from from those Scotch whiskies. Um, so it's just a different take on it. And, you know, experimentations, you know, we're given so much license in Australia to experiment and play 
um, our projects releases that we do from time to time and the way that we can do that. Um, we've got a ginger beer cask finished whiskey. Um, we've got a 15th anniversary whiskey that's coming out this December, which is really exciting um, and is available in the States. And, um, yeah, if you hop onto the Starwood website now, um, I think we've got some single barrels there too. Like there's a, there's a captain's pick, which is, you know, I kind of went into the bond store and said, this one we're putting on the website. It's, it's a great expression. Um, and then we'll release some more captain's picks throughout the year. So if you subscribe to Starwood, um, on, uh, on our website, we'll keep you up to date as to when those, um, this is the shameless plug section, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the you know, when, when those, uh, updates are coming out. So speaking of shameless plugs, this is probably a good time for us to let you give, uh, give our listeners, uh, some details on how they can find out more about Starward, how they can, uh, sort of tap into your activity on social media, what you have going on. Uh, how do they subscribe to Starward and 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 get those emails that are constantly coming that are updating them on what's going on? Yeah, look, um, you know, uh, I like to think the think of the emails as objectively not lame, right? Like they're kind of really interesting whiskey updates. Um, they're not just there to kind of sell you a new product. Um, we kind of dive a little deeper into the team that makes this amazing whiskey. Um, some of the serving suggestions, the ideas behind why we kind of age in wine barrels, talking to some winemakers every now and then. So it really does kind of give you a new perspective on whiskey making that, you know, you're not likely to see from the United States, Scotland, Ireland, or anywhere else in the world. Um, and you can do that by going to starwood.com, our website, and um, the subscription will kind of pop up on the screen or, or um, it's down the bottom of the page. Of course, we've got um, Starwood Whiskey without an E um, as our um, social media handles on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can, you know, uh, register from that from that point of view. I'm pretty active as well. Um, my Instagram handle is I am David Vitali. So you can um, you can kind of connect with me directly and see what I'm up to around um, and about in the United States as we build the brand. Um, so by all means, uh, subscribe from that perspective. Um, we've got we're all we've always got um, new and interesting updates to share and and new whiskies as well, which is pretty exciting. And and for those those listeners who are also foodies, and it does happen. You know, you like whiskey and you like food at the same time. It just so happens that the Bourbon Road is actually a podcast that is in the um, arts food group on Apple Podcasts. So we're kind of tied in with food groups already. And you guys are actually the official whiskey of the Michelin Guide, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it is amazing. It's something that, like, um, you know, we talked about the you know, provenance of whiskey in terms of ingredients. But I think um, the much often missed part of the provenance is the cultural provenance. Bourbon is not bourbon outside of the United States. I'd argue it's probably not bourbon outside of Kentucky and Tennessee, right, just in terms of, like, the cultural aspect of how deeply part of the fabric of the environment it is. And so for me, Starwood needed to kind of touch on that as well from an ingredients and a climate and a geography perspective of course aging within wine barrels all of those things are the 
building blocks to create a great whiskey from the place it's made. But it would, wouldn't be complete without kind of tapping into the culture of the place too. And Melbourne particularly is a really cosmopolitan city with huge waves of migration, particularly after the war. And that is best reflected in food, right? You just see that um, diversity reflected in the cuisine of, of um, your downtown area. And um, we're getting to 2.0s, like Italian cuisine 2.0, Vietnamese 2.0. It's kind of like I've, I've got a friend I went to high school with, a Vietnamese friend, and he's like, but I, I just wanted to set up a wine bar, but their parents had a, a Vietnamese restaurant. So I was like, no, um, you, you're going to take over the restaurant. So now you've got this like Vietnamese restaurant with natural red wines. It shouldn't work, but it does because it's authentic to the place. <laughs> It's sort of really interesting. And so you're seeing that second wave now kind of um, come out and it's really lovely and interesting. So, you know, um, being the official uh, whiskey of the Michelin Guide is a, a, a lovely kind of recognition of the fact that, you know, I, I have a strong belief that whiskey has a place at the dinner table, maybe not always neat. And we talked about mixed drinks and sort of taking whiskey for a walk in different ways. And, you know, um, there's as much, you know, craftsmanship and care and dedication into both making the whiskey but also the drink at some of these restaurants as there is the food that's plated up next to you. So why not share that? So, Mike, do you think our listeners are wondering where's the giveaway? <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, they are. Well, I tell you what, listeners, uh, Dave hooked you up this week uh star Wars whiskey we can't thank you enough dave for what you sent uh what we got listeners and this is going to be two different giveaways uh, pay attention closely we've got a bottle of the twofold uh double grain australian whiskey and we also have a bottle of the star Wars nova now what we're going to do on on instagram the day of the podcast release uh what you're going to want to do is go ahead and we want you to follow Star Wars Whiskey. We want you to hashtag um, Star Wars Whiskey and tag three people in the comments. And at the end of that night, nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're going to pick a winner for the twofold. Now, the second giveaway, uh, we also got a cat from you guys too, Dave, that you guys sent us. Um, one of it, it's nice and black. Uh, it's got the star on there. Love it. Uh, so a cap will go along with that, along with the tasting card with two cocktails uh, for the twofold. And for our bourbon roadies on Facebook, um, you got to do the same thing. Tag three people. Hashtag Star Word Whiskey. Uh, you got to make sure you follow uh, Star Word on Facebook. Bottle that Nova whiskey for you. And we also have a cap for that one lucky roadie that gets picked it that night. I'll do that one at 10 o'clock uh, that night, Jim. Oh, my that? goodness, Mike. You're really sacrificing. <laughs> Normally, to get you to stay up till 10 o'clock at night is a tough, tough ask. Well, it, it is, but Dave was kind enough to share his whiskey with our listeners, to, with our fans out there. Obviously, with your fans, Dave, because the reason you're on our show is because of the whiskey community there in Australia. Great guys like James, uh, you and over there uh, listening to our podcast, drinking your whiskey all the time. Um, Tim Joyce over here in America, listen to our podcast, drinking your whiskey all the time. He loves your single barrels. So uh, two different giveaways um, on the same day. We have never done that before jim 
That's right. This is a, this is a first and, uh, I'm glad we're doing it, Mike, because it's, uh, it's long overdue. Dave, man, we can't thank you enough for uh, coming on the bourbon road. We know you're a busy man trying to promote your whiskey. Uh, always at work. You're so busy. You shaved your beard off. I took my beard off because it was just like getting in the way. Like, it's like, I can't trim it. I'm just going to take it all off and give myself a couple of weeks of time before it grows back. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to do that. Well, listeners, you know what I'm about to say. You can find us out there in a social media land on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, we're all over the place. Main place you can find us, as we said before, is the Bourbon Roadies on Facebook. Um, there's some like-minded whiskey drinkers inside that group. You got to be 21. You got to love bourbon or whiskey uh, like this Star Word. We'd appreciate that. We know everybody loves some whiskey in their life. You also have to agree to play nice because we don't tolerate any rudeness at all in that group. That means if you drink from the very bottom of the shelf, like that old 10 high I used to have to drink when I was in the Army, all the way to the top of that shelf, like that E.H. Taylor that uh, Jim likes to drink, uh, whatever you're drinking, we want you to share that experience. We want you to share celebrations uh, of life in there, uh, births, retirements, birthdays, anniversaries. Heck, I even shared a uh, old shipmate of mine that just passed away. His name was Jack Downey. Those types of lives, we like to celebrate that life that he lived, uh, his service to our country. So uh, come into our group, uh, share your experience. We'd really enjoy it. So we do two shows every single week. Every Monday, we do a craft distillery episode where Mike and I will highlight a single expression from a craft distillery trying to do it right, trying to step out of the box. We like to shine a little bit of light on them. We'll uh, we'll taste that expression. We'll let you know what we think. Uh, we'll let you know whether or not we believe it should be added to your bar. Every Wednesday, we do a long episode, two 30-minute halves, about an hour in length. We'll have a guest on the show, like Dave here from Starward. Uh, we'll get into a subject. We'll deep dive it. We'll uh, We'll have several expressions. Uh, we hope you listen to both episodes every single week. But, Mike, what do they have to do to make sure that they don't miss one? Well, listeners, you know what you need to do. Scroll on at the top of that app. Hit that check sign, that plus sign, that subscribe sign. That app will tell you, hey, these two jokers have a show that's out today and you need to listen. That way you can find out what kind of whiskey we got in our hands. Then you need to scroll on down. Hit that five-star review. Leave us some of those comments because you know what I'm about to say. The big bad booty daddy of bourbon will come over to your house, drink, bring in some of this Star Word whiskey with him. We'll drink it all night long. Drink it to the very bottom of the bottle. By the end of that night, I guarantee you'll leave us that five-star review and some comments. But seriously, those comments, those five-star reviews opens up doors to distilleries like Star Word whiskey for us. It's great guest on our show like Dave here from Star Word. Uh, we would really appreciate it. So Mike and I are very approachable. If you see us at a an event, a whiskey event, if you see us at a liquor store, if you see us out and about in town, make sure you step up to us and introduce yourself, shake our hand. If the situation's appropriate, we'd love to have a drink with you. In your hometown, if you have a distillery or a particular bottle that's really got your Got you going, you know, got you excited for the moment. Uh, make sure you let us know about it. James did. And that's why Starward Whiskey's on the show today. 
So make sure you let Mike and I know about it. We'll reach out to the distillery. We'll make sure a show happens. Uh, but we want to make sure that all those distilleries that are trying to, to make a place in this world get a chance to shine their light. The Bourbon Road is the place to do that. But make sure you reach out to us. You can always go to our website, thebourbonroad.com. We have a contact us page there. Mike and I are up available through email. I'm Jim at thebourbonroad.com. He's Mike at thebourbonroad.com. But kind of like we always say, you know, the best place is just to hit us up on our DMs on Instagram. I'm Jay Shannon 63. I'm Big Bourbon Chief. And we'll see you down the Bourbon Road. <laughs>